We're going to uh, continue in our sermon series here. We've been talking about belonging to God, and we've been thoroughly walking through this this truth and the implications and ramifications that it has upon our lives. And so we're going to go ahead and recap here so that we can understand where we've been and continue to go in this direction. And so we started off talking about how we belong to God because we were, we are God's creation. And then we looked at how, okay, well, why did God create us? Well, we are called to belong for a relationship with him. God wants to be our spiritual father and have us be a part of his spiritual family. And we looked at how God defines our true identity. And then we looked at how we are all part of God's story and how we belong to his story. And then last week, we looked at how we are super conquerors, meaning we are overcomers in life because we belong to God. And so today, actually, Miguel actually uh, mentioned this last week as we were talking about, okay, what are some other implications and ramifications from belonging to God? And we mentioned a couple of different things. And Miguel mentioned, well, it, it, it inspires me to want to live a righteous life. And so we're going to be talking about how what we need to live like we belong to God. If we belong to God, then we need to live like we belong to God. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we've already received. God, even hearing how you worked in Carrie's life, that, that filled me up right there. But God, I know that you have a message here for every single one of us. And God, I pray right now that your message will inspire will lead, will provoke thoughts, it will convict us, and God, lead us to a deeper faith in you. And God, it will lead us to make choices that will lead to not only a greater relationship with you, but lead us to do and fulfill your will for our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, when we belong to something, there are expectations, requirements, and standards for, for all members. So like if you belong to a, uh, a country club, there's an expectation, right? If you belong to a political party, there's a, a standard or an expectation there for you. If you belong to a sports team, if you play sports, they actually have clauses in your contract. Uh, and even more recently in the NFL, you will see this a lot. If somebody commits some type of crime, there's, there's a moral clause in their contract that can actually now have them be removed as a player in the NFL. If we have, you know, if you're part of a university or a school, there is a, a standard or an expectation because you belong to it. And even if we think about our families, right, if you belong to a family, there's an expectation, there's a standard, isn't there? I know for my family, we have, uh, you know, we, we, we take our family name very seriously, and there is an expectation. And so when the kids sometimes will say, hey, you know, uh, can we do this? The Johnsons do this. Is your last name Johnson? No. Remind me again what your last name is. Hull, exactly. So we are not the Johnsons, and we do what the Halls do. You understand? Yes. Okay. And so we understand. So when we belong, we understand there's certain things that come with that. Are you guys with me here? And so, again, if we belong to God, then that means we are called to live like we belong to God. We are called to live holy 
lives. And that's our, our main point here today is that we live like we belong to God. And what does that mean? That means to live holy lives. Going over to Ephesians chapter 4. We've been looking through the book of Ephesians, and man, it's just been so incredibly cool and inspiring as I've been doing this study for myself and just looking and seeing new things pop out. And, you know, Ephesians 1 through 3, we've already looked at many passages from there, and we see Ephesians 1 through 3, we see it weaved in, this idea again of who you are, your identity as a member of God's household. And there's this before and after that we looked at a couple weeks ago, how we're no longer who we once were, but we're now in God's household. We're part of his family. And so through chapters one through three, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given us a lot of what you might call theology, helping us to understand more of God and what that means for our lives. But now we start to take this turn to now it starts to funnel down to what are we actually supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to respond in our daily lives because of this great treasure of this new standing that we have in Christ? And so we take it up in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, you see Paul was, was imprisoned at this time when he was writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We'll stop right there. You see, what, what happened here, and you can actually translate in many other different translations, kind of have a therefore to start this off. So because we've learned all this about who we are and what that means and the unity and all these great things that God has been doing through revealing this mystery through Christ, he says, well, now, therefore, here's what you're supposed to do. And the first thing is to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, we're going to jump on down to verse 17. We'll look at the other verses another time as we talk about belonging to God's church. But it says in verse 17, it kind of continues this thought from verse 1. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You know what, let's stop right there. I forgot to mention this. We're going to read a real large chunk of scripture right now. And so here's what I want for you to do as you read this, is I want you to go ahead and put on the lens of looking at, okay, what is the message or what's the connection between our lives and belonging to God? You guys with me here? So go ahead and take some notes down. If something strikes you, go ahead and write that down to yourself. All right, so let's continue. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you, must put off falsehood 
and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. I love that verse right there. Hey, church, any of you guys have been stealing, you got to stop stealing right now. Just love that. That's just good, honest, real talk right there. Instead, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual morality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you. I love when the Bible says that. No one deceive. That means we have the potential to what? Be deceived. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop right there. Did anything stand out to you? Is there an overall main theme that you see in the scripture? What's one clear theme and point from this whole passage? Yes. Don't do as the Gentiles do. Okay, all right. Any others? Yes. Don't live like the world, right? We're saying the same thing. It's clear. Guys, you know the answer. 
It's clear as day. There's one thing that it's saying. Don't live like this, but live like this. Don't live like everybody else you're surrounded by, but live holy lives. You know, my, boy, my, 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 my mentor and former, uh, uh, my former mentor and, and friend used to always say, you have to be a theologian to misunderstand this. Because it's so clear. If you walk away with something like, I don't know what I should do with this passage, then you just weren't reading it. It's so clear that, hey, we are called by God to live a righteous lifestyle. Not to mimic with those around us who do not belong to Christ, but to mimic and imitate the one that we follow. You know, the sad, the, the, what's the sad truth is that many don't believe this or don't want to accept this truth. And my fear, if I'm honest, is that we have some in the midst here who are falling victim to that as well. You know, Christians don't live like everyone else, but righteous and holy lives. Let's talk about uh, holiness real quickly here. And, and I know that some people have heard me say this several times, but I know there's people that haven't heard this. And so we need to break down what we mean when we talk about holiness here. And so, again, here's the main point that we see. Since we belong to God, we need to make sure we live like we belong to God. And so let's talk about holiness. Holiness means to be set apart really set apart for God's purposes. It means to be different, to be of God, to be righteous. So when you think of holiness, these are the things that come to mind. So our lifestyles need to be set apart, to be different, to be righteous, to be of God. Why? And there's several, but the main ones are, hey, you belong to God. That's why. Think about this. If you're royalty, you need to act like you're royalty, right? If you're a man or, 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 I mean, if you're a leader, then you make sure you act like a leader. If you are a man or a woman of God, then you need to what? Act like a man or woman of God. You see, God's people live in a, a different lifestyle because we know who we belong to. Our status and our relationship with God has changed. When we went from creation to children, we realize, now, wait, my status is different. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm beloved, I'm a saint, I'm dearly loved, I'm a co-worker. Wow, because of that truth, I therefore live a different way. And we see this in the scripture. Hopefully it stood out to you. We see this. Hey, you know what? When you have this relationship with God, that means you live a holy lifestyle. Our identity, our status, our relationships, it's weaved in. There's kind of this because and therefore. Because you are this, therefore you do this. You guys get me? And so if you're a child of God, then guess what? You behave like a child of God. You live lives that reflect who you belong to. Let, let, let's, let's look at the scriptures again. Let's break them down. Church, are you still with me here? All right, let's get into it here. All right. So he says here in verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. This was really big here for, for the church in Ephesus because the church in Ephesus was in a city that was a really worldly city. New York, Las Vegas, we can think of those, right? Uh, Southern California, right? 
really worldly things going on. And in fact, one of the seven wonders, uh, the, the temple of, uh, of Artemis there was there, and they would actually have temple prostitution. So you can imagine how worldly this situation was. And he says here, hey, look, guys, you can't go ahead and live like them anymore in the futility of their thinking. So the very first part that we need to address and look at is how do we think and view sin and righteousness? Do we have futility in our thinking? And as we'll see, and I want to share this real quickly, all the calls here from, from, from in chapters 4 through, through chapter 5 are what we would call, all my uh, uh, teachers might like this, but the present imperative, meaning that it's, it's a continual call to live in this way. And so it's not just for the moment, it's not just one time, but hey, here's what you're to do and keep on doing. And so this call to live this life is, hey, this is what's supposed to be the standard going forward. You guys with me here? And so it says, hey, look, they have some stinking thinking going on in Ephesus. Their futility of their thinking, their view of God and his, his will and his commands, they're off. So what does that mean for you and me? That means our view of God, his will, his commands, our view of sin and righteousness, it is imperative that we have it on right. Because if not, then you and I can fall victim to, once we, to what we once were because of our thinking. And so let me ask you this question. How do you view sin and righteousness? Is it a chore? Is it a rule? Is it something that's negotiable? Is it something that doesn't matter that much? Or is it some, an opportunity to show your gratitude? An opportunity to be the light of the world? You know, before I became a true Christian, I, uh, I had some, some stinking thinking when it came to my view of sin and righteousness. Uh, my view of holiness it, it, it was, was, was off. Because I used to think, you know what, if I have a couple things on really well, then the other things that I do, and I do intentionally, it doesn't really matter as much. I got about four good things in my faith going. I got two ones that I at least know of that are really bad, but four is greater than two, so I'm good. And so I'd be very intentional with my sin because I'm like, but I got these other four rights. And so I had this thinking that was futile. It was off. You see, this is important that we understand that the way we view will dictate our hearts. It will dictate our choices, our actions, and long-term faithfulness to God. If we have some stinking thinking, we can be assured of the truth that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to make sure we have this right view and the right thinking. And he even tells us here, hey, look, here's what, what it led to. Their hearts, they're, they're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God, and the, heart, the hearts even get harder. And so we see, wow, that, that, it does make sense. That is some, some, some stinking thinking right there. And so he's clarifying, he's reminding them and reminding us, hey, here are the consequences when you have that type of mindset. Are you still with me? Let's jump on over to verse 22. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness 
in holiness. You know, again, we have this before and after. Hey, remember, that's who you were before. That's how you lived before. But now after you belong to God, this is what you are supposed to live like. And so you have an identity and status change which requires for you to live like you had an identity and status change. And he says you took off the old self and put on the new self. What kind of imagery comes to mind when you think of putting on and taking off? You said, you said, you said baptism? Okay, what else? Clothes, right? Clothes, okay, well, let's You know I feel uncomfortable when I don't have my jacket on. You know what I'm saying? And so we looked at like, okay, well, Marcel, you know, this is, he's like, hey, you, you have this imagery. And you're like, all right, well, this is, you're supposed to, you, you have this old life. That's the way you used to rock it. That's the way you used to roll. That was your style back then. I'm glad you're impressed. I'm not. And he's like, hey, look, that's who you once were. Those were your clothes. Now I look at this and go, Marcel, you look foolish. You got your, your suit pants on, and you got the jacket. That don't really rock together. You know what I'm saying? And sad thing is, when we have sin in our lives and we think we belong to God, we look foolish. And he says, no, 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 guys, 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 guys. This is how you used to be. Take that off. Take that off. And then put on the new again. And so you go back, and you say, okay, now... I'm going to put on who? I'm going to put on Christ. And I'm going to be that new person. Now you look correct. You look like the way you've been designed. You guys get what I'm saying here? And then he says created. What does he say? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We were created to be like who? In true righteousness and holiness that's what you were created for and so this demands it requires that we live like we are we have been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness you see people belonging to God live lives that honor God let's go on over to verse 30 here follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children I love this as dearly loved Children, to be a child of God means something. This is what he points to. He says, all right, look, you got to follow God's example. All right, I got to do this. And then he throws in as dearly loved children. Why? He's reminding all of us that's who you are. And that's the reason why you're going to do the following. Because you are dearly loved. How awesome is that? You're not just loved, you're dearly loved. Jericho, he dearly loves his daughter. Carrie, she dearly loves her kids. She just doesn't love them, she dearly loves them. God is saying, hey, through, the, through, through, uh, through Paul here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, look, you are dearly loved, so remember, what should you do? You should follow God. Be imitators of him. Be imitators as dearly loved children. Again, it's a reminder. This is who you belong to, so therefore, this is how you behave. And let's think about this as dearly loved children. 
We're not only called to reflect his character, but we are to look like we are his sons and daughters in how we live. Like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. This is what you and I are called to do because we belong to God. Church, are you with me here? Let's continue. Let's go on over to verse 3 here. Let's look at it some more here. And it says, hey, look, guys, but among you, there must not even be a hint. Actually, a better way of translating that is it shouldn't even be mentioned. But among you, it shouldn't even be mentioned sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Well, why? Why shouldn't it be mentioned, Paul? Because these are what? Improper for who? God's family. Again, what is that? Reminder of what? Who you belong to. Because you belong to God, hey, guess what? You shouldn't even be mentioning these things. You belong to God, therefore you live a holy life. Immorality and greed, they don't even fit in. They don't make sense. It's improper for them to be included in your midst. You know, I think, I think it was you, John. Was it you, John? I'm pretty sure. You sent me a gag gift. You sent me a UCLA banner. Yeah, he did. Those who know me and my family know that we are USC Trojans. Leah Willard, the Willard family, actually gave us a little banner. It says, in this house, we will uh, serve the Lord and cheer for the USC Trojans. And we put that, we framed that bad boy. And so it's clear, we're Trojans, and then John, in his, 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 I guess, creative genius, he sends me this anonymous gift, and I open it up, and it's a UCLA banner. The whole family's like, what in the world is that? Why is that? Who sent you that? I said, I don't know, but we need to find out. And we looked at it, we're like, what are we going to do? We're like, this is terrible. Get this thing out of our house. Why? Because we're like, this is improper for God's holy Trojans. There's no way we can have that in our house. Somebody's out of their mind. This is obviously a joke. And so in the same way, sexual immorality, greed, there's no way it should be in your midst because it's improper for you because you're God's holy people. That type of sin doesn't belong. It shouldn't even be mentioned. Why? Because of who you are. Because of your status in relationship to and with God. Church, are you with me? Uh, verse 5 here. Nor should there be insanity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. That's interesting, right? Doesn't belong. This is weird. This is awkward. It's like the UCLA banner. It doesn't make sense here. But rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure. For this you can be sure. I don't have to be uncertain about what's coming next. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Those who live like this. This doesn't mean, well, I used to live like this, so therefore I can't be saved. No, because we've already established, hey, we all used to live in some sinful way, but now we belong to God, so we don't live like that anymore. And he says here, look, sinful, worldly, only lives, that, though, that happens to those who are disobedient. That, those are the ones who do that. We're God's people. We don't do that. That's what people do outside of God's people. That's what I used to do before I belonged to God. 
And so this debunks the lie that you can live any old way and be saved. Once saved, always saved. Really? Is that what Paul says? Well, I can just live any old way. I can have your old way thinking of Marcel. I got four good things. I got two. Maybe it's just one bad thing that I intentionally do on a consistent basis. So I'm good, right? Four cancels out the one. No. Because we belong to God, we no longer live the way we used to or the way the world does. We live like we belong to God. So therefore, our lives look different. And if God judges these things, that's what it says, his children have no business doing them. This is what God's going to judge. How, how can we ever indulge in that? It's improper. That's why I used to live. The Christ died for that. So I have a conviction that I'm not going to go back to that, but I'm going to live a holy life because God saved me through his son Jesus. Ephesians 5, verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Again, you are no longer in the darkness, but get what are you now? You are in the light. So what do you do? You live like you are in the light. Again, once, but now. There's a difference. If they look the same, then there's a problem then maybe there really was no conversion or, man, I am so out of tune that I need to get recalibrated to who I am in Christ. And so the Spirit reveals that our lifestyle reflects our association and our allegiance. And we are adopted in the family of God. And so, therefore, our association and our allegiance is to him, and so our lives must be aligned with him. And so we see what's run deep what runs deep in our lives is our identity and connection to Christ. It's just not cool. Oh, man, I just love the blessings, but I abhor the lifestyle. No, it's I'm so grateful for what I am. And because of who I am, because of Christ, I am driven to live a life that honors him. And so my question for you, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to. If you're a child of God, then the next question then is, how do you view sin and righteousness? Because if you got this on right, hey, I, I know I belong to God, then what that means is now my view of sin and righteousness needs to look like his view of sin and righteousness. And you know, these warnings in these passages, these are warnings out of love. He doesn't want us to go that route. So therefore, he's calling us to remember so we can make sure we move forward in a direction he's called us to. And so again, we can't appreciate all the, wow, blessings of the titles. I'm a co-heir, I'm a co-worker, I'm beloved, I'm a saint, but yet really have a problem with the lifestyle. That's not going to work. It has to be reconciled. You with me here? And so again, my concern here for some of us is that we have forgotten this or we're on the verge of losing a tight grip on this. And so we're starting to resemble who we once were as opposed to growing in the likeness of Christ. And so again, I ask you, who do you belong to? How do you view sin and righteousness? And then that funnels down to, are you living a holy lifestyle?
And you can identify this by whether you look more like Jesus or you look more like everybody else in society. You can tell by what you value, materialism, wealth, youth, sex. You can tell by your language, is it holy or unholy? You can tell by whether or not you're transparent or you're hiding. He says light's supposed to expose. We are the children of light, so we expose the phony that's in the world. We expose the problems that might be in our midst. We expose the sin that might be in our lives as opposed to hiding it. You can tell by media consumption. I'm going to say that one again. You can tell your holy lifestyle by your media consumption. Is it promoting every kind of impurity and greed? Is that what we're consuming? You know, I know for me, this has been something that God's been working on, this sanctification process in my life. And I've had to make many tough choices over the years that were tough for me. And so I'll share this one. I'm embarrassed to share it, but I'll share it. And so I, uh, you, you, I'm glad you, 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 you're pumping me up to do it. You might not pump me up afterwards. But you're just going to laugh at it probably. But I'm a, I, I was a big fan of the movie Scarface. Some of you have seen it. Some of you have it. I'm glad you haven't. Scarface, I love this movie. And I saw it before I became a Christian. And I loved it. And in fact, I received it as a gift, like the special edition. You know what I mean? Like extra bonus features. And so I'm like, man, this is awesome. But then I watched it as a Christian, and I'm like, hmm. Something feels a little off. And then I researched, and Scarface at the time when it came out had the record for the most cuss words of any movie. Now, I'm sure it's been passed up 20, 40 times. And so as I'm watching, I'm thinking, I'm reflecting, I would have these times where the Holy Spirit would be like, Marcy, you got to cut some things out of your life. And Scarface would run through my mind almost every time I prayed about it. And I was like, mm, I don't think so. I think I'm good. I think I watch it in a pure way. I appreciate the artistic talent, and I appreciate Pacino, and just his accent. It's so good. And so I started to justify it, but I'm telling you, almost every time I'd have this moment, Scarface would come to mind, and I'm like, okay. Why every time when I pray about stuff like this, Scarface comes to mind? I thought, okay, I got kids. Hey, kids, let's go watch Scarface together. That doesn't feel right. And I realized that as, because as I watched Scarface there, that it really started to help me merge back more into the mindset and values of my old life. I'm rooting for the bad guy. Spoiler alert. He's a big-time hardcore killer and drug dealer. And in my heart, I'm rooting for him. And I'm like, yeah, dope dealer. Jesus, is, he, is this really helping me? Or this, is this having a negative effect upon me? And so finally, I said, okay, here we go. And I, I took it, and I was like, well, maybe I could give it to somebody. That's probably not good. Okay, so I go to the trash, and I'm telling you, I'm hesitant. I'm like, yeah, here we go. And I was tempted to try to catch it, but I let it go, and I was like, okay. Whew, that was tough. But I was so grateful for what God had been working, and finally I answered the call. 
You know what, Marcel? This isn't holy. This isn't holy for you. You need to do something and make some changes and cut some things out of your life. And then I had several times where I had to give up Tupac CDs. That's how old I am, CDs, okay? And I was like, no, my Tupac, I love Pac. But I was like, this isn't holy for me. And so I ask you again, what's your consumption of media like? What are you reading on the internet? What are you watching? What are you listening to on your iTunes? What's on your Spotify playlist? Is it promoting greed and every kind of impurity? Let's ask ourselves, is this a holy life? And so again, I believe the call for the hour here is to live like we belong to God. Some have some secret sin you need to go ahead and deal with. Some have to be honest where you're at spiritually. Some of us, we need to make some tough decisions and cut some things out and start adding the things of God into our life. But here's the thing. It's no time to wait. It's time to take action today. This is not something you prolong. Oh, I'll get to it uh, next time. I'll put it last on my to-do list. This isn't time to feel sad and feel guilty, but to rejoice that you have the time to turn things around. God, give these passages to warn and to remind us out of love. And so the message weaved into Ephesians has, all, has been who we are in Christ, and this is a reminder of the lifestyle that is in response to belonging to God. So let's get real practical here and have some action steps, not some theory steps, not some thought-provoking steps. That's all good, but it has to lead to action. That's what we see in the Bible. That's what we see in Ephesians 1 through 3, a lot of theology, chapter 4. Let's get to our lifestyle. And so let's get real practical here, all right? For those of us, some of us, it's to learn. Learn, what does it mean? What does it mean to be holy by studying the Bible? Go ahead, and whoever you came with, ask them, hey, you know what? I, I don't know much about this. Can you study the Bible with me? Or you say, you know, I came in uh, online. Go ahead and message us. Or you, you walked in. You can find us over at the welcome table. We'll set you up with somebody to be able to sit down and show you what does it mean to actually live a holy life. And then others of us, it's to identify what may be the things in our life currently as a child of God that may be unholy? It's time to identify what might that be. For me, many times it was Scarface and I kept trying to give it the stiff arm. And so what may be that thing in your life or what may be the thing that needs to be cut out of your life because you're a child of God? Maybe it didn't need to be cut out of your neighbor's life because they're not a child of God. But because you are a child of God, what is that thing that needs to be cut out? And so, again, this applies to all of us. We either learn or identify. And so let's come to a close here. Being a child of God is the best thing in the world. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And like father, like son, like father, like daughter, belonging to God means living holy lives. Let's close out in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we live like we belong to God. Amen.